Welcome to CareCast, CareNet's podcast on family, faith, and life with me, Vincent DiCaro, CareNet's Chief Outreach Officer, and Rollin Warren, CareNet's President and CEO. In this special episode of CareCast, you will be treated to a live interview Rollin did with author and speaker Lisa Harper during CareNet's recent annual national conference in Atlanta, Georgia. Lisa was one of the keynote speakers at the conference, and she sat down with Rollin to talk about her remarkable pro-life story. Take a listen. Well, Lisa, good to have an opportunity to talk to you. It's you good just to talk finished to you too. Uh, speaking with uh, our group at the conference. Can you give folks uh, in the audience just a little bit of a snippet of what you kind covered? Cliff notes? Yeah, yeah. I need to confess that concise is not my gift. So <laughs> I've never been good at cliff notes. I was really talking about, you know, the theme this year is each one reach one. Right. But I think sometimes it's hard to reach out when you don't remember. And I, mm-hmm. I've talked about remembering what God right. has, has done for us. I talked about the lepers in Luke 17 and how there was the one who turned around and went back after his healing and said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he went back because he was a Samaritan. So he had that double whammy of having leprosy, but also of being considered an outsider. So he couldn't forget mm-hmm. his past. And I think for those of us in vocational ministry, any of us who are Christ followers, it's incumbent upon us to look back and remember the miracles, to go, he, he saved me, he called me, I'm his beloved. And that's really what I think keeps us engaged and what he's called us to is to remember yeah. his mercy, remember the miracle. I think that's why Moses, you know, all through Deuteronomy said, remember, remember, remember. remember. Yeah, yeah. And I think because we've gotten out of the, the practice of practical Ebenezers, we don't build right. little stone memorials in our backyards right, anymore. Right. We need to do that emotionally and go back and go, this is what he's done for my family. This is how he's been faithful. When we remember how he's been faithful, we don't worry as much about whether he'll be faithful or not in the future. We know he will be. Yeah, and I think that's really important, and I, what I really appreciated, uh, especially uh, with, uh, with the conference attendees, how encouraging you were to them in terms mm-hmm. of being steadfast and, and pressing on. Yeah. Um, this is not uh, uh, easy work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was just talking to one of the center directors here at the conference, and she showed me a picture of, um, their uh, pregnancy center and how they've yeah. been attacked and uh, oh, someone yeah. spray painted liar right. across their window and right. uh, all these different things right. and deface their billboards right. and just you know how you know folks on the other side are really stepping up and in the midst of all that it's very easy for you to kind of lose focus oh, yeah. uh, on the fact that you know we're called to love even in the midst right. of all of that right. I think those Ebenezer's that you're talking about right. God will be with me yeah, right. Even though I'm facing obstacles. Right. Well, and I think culture tells us that popularity is important. Scripture says peculiarity yeah. is important. That's good. So yeah. we are not supposed to be liked by everybody. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to love everybody well as mm-hmm. image bearers. But for us to assume culture is going to applaud what we're doing, yeah. if you read scripture, you're like, mm, actually, if everybody's applauding what we're doing, we probably aren't yeah. doing it well for the sake of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Because Scripture says real clearly the gospel is the stench of death to those who are dying. Right. And so you're right. The people who are involved in CareNet, I mean, they are front lines. And so they're they're not going to have everybody receive them well and invite them into their homes and pat them on the back and give them coffee. Right. There's going to be huge opposition. Yeah. To walk into that with love, to walk into that basically with your arms down and your heart open because you know God has called me to this place, they're going to take a lot of hits. Yeah, no, you are. And we're definitely seeing you know, more and more of that happening now I mean, yeah. with the Supreme Court um, 
nomination trial that's going on. We're right in right. the midst of that right now. So right. I've watched a little bit on television and yeah, uh, the protests there. And, and, and uh, there's a real, obviously a real concern from some of the folks on the other side in terms of Roe and those kinds of things. And right. we're, we're called to be, to be steadfast. I also liked, you know, your focus on uh, the, the importance of gratitude. Yeah. And, yeah. and the one that, that went back. And I, yeah. I think that's a really powerful message, yeah. um, particularly in this day, because I think uh, it, it is, in many ways, it's a lost virtue. Oh, that we have in our oh, culture. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'd, when I was I'd spent a season studying gratitude, because I thought I want to improve, you know, this area of my own life, and to see, it was just this epiphany for me. I'm sure your audience has already gotten this, but for me, it was this epiphany of going, it's not just fruit of my relationship with Christ, it's fertilizer. Right. If I say thank you, it actually is fertilizer for my faith. It keeps mm -hmm. me going forward. Mm -hmm. um, I have a girl who travels with me um, on the road a lot. And she will say, oftentimes we're on the road, stop and give me 10. And she's not being militant, I don't have to do push-ups. Yeah. She's saying, if I get into that kind of negative way of thinking, you know, the flight was delayed, the rental car was given away, we don't right, have a rental right. car, you know, I just, you know, scratch my arm on the luggage, right. whatever it is, but I get into a whiny place, yeah. she'll go stop and give me 10. And in huh. that moment I have to go, I'm so grateful I get to say the name of Jesus for it. So, I have to list 10 things I'm grateful for. <laughs> That's good. And, I mean, That's it really will good. totally realign my heart. Yeah, yeah. And so there's, there is something wildly powerful about gratitude. I think it keeps us not only centered, but moving forward. And it keeps my heart soft mm -hmm. when circumstances could, could make it hard or, or yeah. keep me in kind of a negative place. I'm like, man, gratitude is where it's at for believers. Well, that's good. And that's, a, and that's a, certainly a good word for, for us in terms of the work that we do. And, and we're even supposed to be thankful when we're right. facing adversity right. as well, which is one of those things that's always sort of difficult. I just, yeah. I faced a difficult situation, I'm in a difficult situation, right. and in the midst of that, I'm still supposed to be thankful. Absolutely. And I think that that principle that you're talking about is really, really powerful. Well, and difficulty is inevitable mm -hmm. in life. You know, Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. In yeah. what y'all are called to with CareNet, I mean, yeah. it is, it's gonna be a daily inevitability. Yeah. Drama is a choice. And so where we go with difficulty, if you go, okay, God has looked at me and said, you're going to walk this out in a way that brings me glory. I go, wow, then you see difficulty as more of a divine promotion than mm -hmm. punitive. Right, right. And you go, okay, Lord, I'm going to thank you even in this. I'm going to pull a Habakkuk and go, even though we don't have enough funding for next month, even though somebody spray painted liar across the center, uh, I'm still going to praise you because you're good. We forget that we see through the glass dimly. Yeah. That we, we don't understand the whys, we just know what he's called us to. But um, I used to really demand answers when I was younger. The thing I love about being in my 50s, you know, I don't love the fact that I've lost my metabolism, my hair is chemically dependent. Yeah. But the thing I love is I know that my peace is not found in getting my questions answered. My peace is found in his presence. Mm -hmm. My peace is found in, in the sovereign mercy of God. And so I don't ask as many questions as I asked in my 30s and 40s. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, okay, Lord, you have proven yourself to me over and over and over and over again. I'm not asking why as mm -hmm. much as I used to ask why. I'm just going where. Yeah. Where do you want me today? I that's just good. want to be where you are. And that's where y'all live at CareNet. You have to live there or you won't last. No, absolutely. So let's, let's talk a little bit. You've got a really sort of an amazing, you know, pro-life story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, in, in terms of kind of playing out yeah. what that means to have sort of a comprehensive, uh, comprehensive view. I mean, one of the uh, passages that's inspired me in terms of work with, with CareNet 
is the James one twenty seven. Mm, yeah. You know, religion that God our Father finds is pure, right? Right. Taking care, care of widows and orphans. Care yeah. for the orphans and widows in their yeah. distress and keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. And one of the insights God gave me about that was this whole this whole notion of, of the fact that in the pregnancy centers yeah. Um, we actually have cultural orphans and widows. Oh, absolutely. So that when that was written, it was that the husband or father was sure. dead. Uh, in the work that in the work right. that we do, it's really the husband and the father, so to speak, proverbial husband and father, saying to the mother and the child, "You're dead to me." Right. And so, looking at the work that we we do at pregnancy centers as having these cultural orphans and oh, widows, yeah, absolutely, uh, stepping into the gap, and then the role the the church had a very specific. Uh, both in the Old and the New Testament. You know, right. the people of God, so to speak, have a very specific role of stepping into right. that gap. Right. And so I really look at what you did in your adoption story in that light, that is really religion that is pure and faultless in mm -hmm. God's sight, that you stepped into the life yeah. of, this, of this, this little girl who was an orphan yeah. and, and did that. So talk a little bit about that and, and, and how, you know, how that fit into your pro-life worldview and how you oh, walked yeah. that out. Uh, God has been so extraordinarily kind because I, I told them in my message, I was, I used to tease and sometimes I still do and say my husband is lost and won't stop to ask for directions because I'm 55 and single. But truth of the matter is I was very, very, very relationally broken in my 20s and 30s, very attracted to abusive men, toxic relationships. And God is kind and you know, he was just continuously pulling some of the deepest roots of sin and relational toxicity out of my heart. Mm -hmm. But when I got to the point, I'm not remotely saying I'm completely healed or fixed, but when I got to the point of being, I think, relationally stable enough to go, oh, I'd, I'd love to be married and have children, all of a sudden you go, I'm, I'm too old. I can't have children biologically. Right. And, and I thought that was part of his call in my life, and I thought, well, I've just missed it. You know, he's not capricious or punitive, but there are consequences to sin. Mm -hmm. Con consequence of my sin is I'm not going to get to be a literal mother. You know, I can be a spiritual mother. I'm not going to get to have a child who calls me mommy. And, um, and years before, it's too long a story, but years before I led a Bible study, a friend of mine in high school on the theme of adoption in Scripture, and we talked about those verses in James, talked about in the Psalms where he says he'll, he'll weave the lonely into families, set the lonely into families. And my best friend and I at 17 had both committed that we would be moms when we got older to orphans not really knowing what we were doing, being very sincere at 17, but you know, pretty wet behind the ears experientially. Here I am, you know, three decades later in my mid forties, and that vow came back to me and I thought, I think he's called me to adopt. Hmm. A lot of pushback from well-meaning Christians because I'm single. I had people tell me that would not be the sovereignty of God. You know, God would never do that. And I thought, okay, Lord, I actually had a woman in church tell me that I didn't have the right to be a mom and that some of the wow. sexual abuse of my past, even though I'd been to counseling, might make me unwittingly transfer some of that trauma onto a child of my own. And she said, you should go to the Nashville Humane Society and adopt a dog instead of adopting a child. Mm -hmm. And that was a girl in a small group at church. So I got a lot of pushback, but you know how when the Lord knits something in your heart, he'll just, he'll keep watering that. And so I was like, Lord, I'm gonna hold this really loosely. You've gotta make it crystal clear if you mm -hmm. have called me to this. And he just kept opening door after door after door. And like I said, I said, I want a kid that doesn't have much of a shot at a mom and a dad. And I lost two adoptions uh, through um, crisis pregnancy, crisis uh, pregnancy support centers. And it was on the heels of mm -hmm. those losses and just having my heart broken that um, 
just kind of a wild sovereign thing. You wouldn't even think to pray for an old friend went to Haiti. One of the moms died the week she was there and nobody wanted her little girl mm-hmm. because she was very, very sick. My little girl uh, was two and a half, you know, no real close family. And the doctor said she had two months to live. And so I, I think at some point um, in my story, I had to just say, Lord, I'd rather my heart be hurt than be hard. And he was so kind to allow me to adopt my little girl. So yeah, I've walked, I wouldn't say I walked what you just, that, that I think it's a calling for all of us, not just people who are in foster care or mm-hmm. crisis pregnancy or adoption. It's a calling for all of us to take care of yeah. widows and orphans, cultural widows and orphans, the, yeah. the missed and the marginalized, whether you adopt work in a center or whether you just go, I'll make a meal or I'll take your kids to McDonald's while you're in the transition of adoption. But I don't know that my heart was even that pure. I just was trying to follow God. And I, when I look back when I was a kid, I believe that was his call in my life all along. I was just too foolish to see it for decades. But you know, Psalm 8411 says, no good thing does he withhold from him whose walk is upright. And I always paraphrase that and say, or from for her who often stumbles. And he did not keep that from me. So he kept that adoption alive. Mm-hmm. So the, the undefiled religion in my heart has nothing to do with the posture of my heart. It has everything to do with the kindness of God. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I get to be my kid's mom. You know, I was telling Kay earlier, I think I've made every mistake known to motherhood in four and a half years. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I do well is gratitude. It's really excellent. And you know, I, one of the things I'm, I really like to say is, you know, life decisions need life support. So you yeah, know, we, that's want, good. We, we want folks to make these life decisions mm-hmm. um, and they're going to need life support. And I always think about it as sort of like those, those life buoys that, you know, if yeah. you're on the beach or you know, yeah. at a pool or something and someone's yeah. drowning and, yeah. you know, you can kind of just stand there and say, hope you can make it out of the pool. Right. But, you know, what do you do? You, or you, you can throw hurl a, a buoy. You yeah. throw a whole buoy in. If they miss that one, you say, well, we tried. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you yeah, throw another one right. in. And, and, and really, um, in terms of the life decisions, what we want to do is have so many different buoys going in, so That's to speak. Good. So many life supports going in. It's really impossible for them to drown and have a right. commitment there. And people have different ones. Right. You know, and you're in a season in your life. Um, where you can pour into your daughter in a way yeah. that maybe someone else uh, uh, yeah. didn't have the ability to do that. And so yeah. God really kind of... And there's holes yeah. where people have thrown us buoys yeah. because my kid right now doesn't have a baby daddy, you right. know? And so I just pray, Lord, I want uncles in her life who yep. are godly men who love her well. He has been so kind to very tangibly be a father to the fatherless in our life and yeah. for me a husband to husbandless. So I think for the people listening who go, well, at this season of my life, either I'm divorced or my husband doesn't seem to pay attention or he's an unbeliever or my wife mm-hmm. doesn't feel called to this. I'm like, you just keep moving toward what God has called you to move toward. And he'll, Provide like you said, you'll have so many buoys you won't drown in yeah. the process. If you keep yeah. walking, he'll part the waters. Well, good. Well, I thank God for, for what you've done. I thank God thank for uh, an opportunity for us to, to meet you here. A uh, huge you know, privilege We're very to be excited here. to have you uh, oh, join us. You. And certainly you could tell by uh, how long it took you to finish. <laughs> <laughs> and the long line of folks who oh. wanted to uh, come and, and talk to you and just the response from uh, nearly 1,300 folks that, that came here that you were such a well, blessing. I love, to us. I thank you love y'all's ministry and really, really respect what y'all are doing. I know that sometimes people don't applaud and you're in the trenches all day, every day, but y'all are, are true heroes of the faith. Well, I, I can tell you that, you know, I tell people all the time that, you know, 
doing this work, sometimes you, you're a lot like a mushroom. You're in the dark and it doesn't smell very good. Yeah, so, yeah that's good. So, so when we get the encouragement back from, from people like you who are uh, involved in, in what we're doing and, 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 and admiring us from afar, that's very encouraging. So oh, well, blessings you. to thank you. Thank you for having so me much. on the podcast. Yes. Praise God. Yeah. That was an interview Roland conducted with Lisa Harper, a keynote speaker at CareNet's recent annual national conference in Atlanta, Georgia. We hope you enjoyed it. In the next episode of CareCast, we will present another interview Roland did with another one of our conference keynote speakers, Christian author, speaker, and coach for moms and marriage, Jill Savage. See you next time.